0: Everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 126. We talk about using Google Tag Manager and HubSpot. Welcome to Apex' number one hubspot Focus podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, new features, and strategies for growing your marketing results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig?
1: Really well. Again, after having two weeks of down with the cold and stuff, and apologies to listeners. I was listening back to some of my ramblings on previous episodes. Oh my goodness. Must have been that medication. I blame the medication. Sorry, folks. And thanks for sticking with us. We're back on track.
0: All right, Craig. There's lots been going on here. Now, we had our very first HubSpot Partner Day in Asia Pacific.
1: Yeah, just last week as we record uh, this, and uh, it was really good. So this was for HubSpot Partners. I think it was mostly about showcasing some of the upcoming features and just talking about the current themes for HubSpot. It was, I guess, focused on Service Hub a fair bit, and in particular, getting rid of the funnel.
0: That's right. The funnel's dead, Craig. It's all about the flywheel. And so, Seth... Dave Shepard.
1: Yeah, you can't avoid the flywheel. It's everywhere. But look, what, one of the points they did make, which I thought was good, is they want to put the customer at the centre of everything. Correct. Okay. And look, that sounds like, yeah, good goodo, uh, glib throwaway line. Of course we do. But it's actually important. And I think the whole CRM piece and revolving around, I think there is value for that. I'm actually not so sure the funnel's dead, but I think segments of the flywheel have their own funnels within them. And I think that's kind of, in some ways, it's not like the funnel's dead. It's just that the flywheel takes a bigger picture view. And I quite like that. And I think that's quite good. This whole idea, I've been reading a lot about this, about that the customer is not just an end point or an end result. It's kind of the whole focus. You know, you you can't argue with that. I think it's a good approach.
0: That's right. And we were talking about this in relation to different items in this show. And one thing we came up with is that at the core of it, there are people with everything we do, whether you're a service-based business, you're a product-based business, people are either using the product or you're serving the person that is buying your product or service. So I think it's a really key part of everything that we're doing.
1: Yeah, it totally is. Now, one of the things I wanted to highlight from the Partner Day, as well as what's coming up tomorrow as we record this on the 20th of June, so tomorrow is Grow with HubSpot in Sydney on the 21st of June. So by the time you hear this show, that will it will be over, but I just wanted to highlight the sense of community. I really like this about Partner Day. I got to, I just catching up with people like all the other partners and In some ways, you could say partners are competitors, and they are in some ways. I don't think they are, because when I think of all the agencies, and they highlighted this in Partner Day, there's actually thousands of agencies in Australia, Asia-Pac, but you know, HubSpot partners, there's like a couple of hundred. Correct. So when we think, oh, we're, we're competing with other partners, and you and I are actually competitors in a sense, no, we're not competing with other HubSpot no. partners. We're actually competing with other agencies. And that's why a HubSpot event and partner days and the growth HubSpot, and in a minute I'm going to spruik the user groups again. It was just so good. So like I saw Stacey Chalmers, Sarah McIntyre, Tony Eads was there, Got up, Justin Thing. Ding.
0: Who else? Go the extra. Go the extra. Samantha Rolfed. Oh, yes, that was great. Charles Mackay. From, uh, from Melbourne, Melbourne, yes. And some of our favourite uh, hub spotters, Daniel Bershey. He's always so good. He's so good. I love <laughs> Maroon, who looks after us. Hashtag and, uh, crushing it, yeah. That's right. And we had the opportunity to meet Bob Ruffalo, who is uh, yeah, partner Impact. of the year for
1: 2017. Yep, yep, smart guy.
0: And we also had the pleasure of meeting G2, Matani, and Michael Redboard. And we're actually going to be talking to Michael Redboard in a few episodes' time about the whole service hub.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know who else we met? Um, Adam Steinhardt and Zahn Johnson from the Hub & Spoke podcast. Oh,
0: yes. It was
1: so good to actually meet them in person. You know, I've been trying to meet them since, I think, inbound a couple of years ago. Yes, We've just never been correct. able to. So that was good to put, finally, faces and to the voices I listened to. But now,
0: there's an interesting thought from the day. Yeah. As people got the opportunity to ask questions, Craig. And it was, are you planning for the coming recession? And if so, how do you approach it? And I think this is answered by people on a panel, or from HubSpot. What was interesting, G2 had a very interesting response, which you're going to share about. He
1: made the observation that when a recession comes, you know who's first in the sites? The marketing team. Oh, Correct. that's an expense. We'll reduce yes. that in a company. Next, they kind of look at the sales term. Do we really need them? Well, the salespeople that are actually driving more revenue or increasing Existing customer base value, they stay. So that's get safer. But customer retention teams are often the gold. They're the prize team. So he was making the point that if you're actually, you know, preparing for a recession, which some commentators are saying a recession's coming, and a lot of others are saying no way, uh, you know, momentum's so good. But who knows? So uh, this is not um, future looking. This is just kind of future preparing. And he was saying, well, customer retention, and of course, that's a whole bit about Service Hub in a way. It's kind of looking after customers, checking in, getting surveys, are they happy, making sure you're providing an excellent support experience. So I thought that was a really good insight from him.
0: Yes. And so in terms of when we talk about recession, we would say things are slowing down. So in certain sectors that we operate in, we see things slowing down, right? And this doesn't have to apply to the area we're in or the economy per se, but Well, you know, we operate, one of the areas we specialize in is to do with builders and property and with the tightening of the lending laws and how their banks are under investigation for us with a Royal Commission. And all of this is playing into actually slowing down the industry that we operate in, right? So we see across builders how things are slowing down and how that's affecting them and how it's affecting how they go to market and what they're selling and how they're selling it. So I think this is really key. And- You know, to my point, it's about how you're treating the customer and how you're retaining customers.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent insight. I wonder if that's Australian specific or whether that's more a global thing as well in the building sector.
0: Correct. And so I'm not sure, but I guess we're specifically in the Australian market. But I think that's the thing. It's like how are we preparing for that in the industry sectors that we are positioned in?
1: Really good to be thinking about that. And I think in in the light of Service Hub, that's the way that technology can help with that. Look, I just want to make a final comment, because we mentioned all those people that we caught up, and I really want to highlight this idea of community. I really enjoyed it. And for listeners, you know, saying, oh, why are you talking about all these people? We don't know these names. Who are they? You know, for some of them. We're like, yeah, well, actually, that's kind of a community that I'm in. It's one of the probably the main communities I'm in, the HubSpot community. And as a listener, if you want to be in that community, because it's a really cool community. It's very welcoming, very open I, You're doing I, about the user group, right? Well, I, I was actually talking about Partner Day, and then I know Growth HubSpot is yes, like that. But then, correct. what I'm coming to is user groups. If you want to be part of that community, join a local HubSpot user group because they really are a fantastic place. That's they right. Meet with other marketers and sales professionals, and yeah, as well as learning, you meet people and and find. Well, we first met at a HubSpot and I, user group. We certainly did. And look at us now, Ian.
0: And so, yeah, if you're trying to find a user group, go onto the HubSpot website, type in HubSpot user groups, you'll actually get to a page that has all the listings globally of all the user groups. I think there's a couple of hundred right around the world that are run by other agency partners and get involved, go along and be a part of a community because that's where you will learn and grow as you go on this journey. All right, Craig, we're going to talk about a marketing feature of the week, and this is the Google Tag Manager In HubSpot,
1: first of all, I'm going to talk about how to add Google Tag Manager in HubSpot, and later in the show, if you don't even know what Tag Manager is, yeah, let's
0: take a step back and talk about what Tag Manager is. Yeah, yeah,
1: sure.
0: Google Tag Manager, as they say, is about tag management or making it simple for marketers to manage tags within their website. Right. One of the things I remember when this got first got launched, and I was at a Google Partner Day, they said it's becoming increasingly hard. To get code onto a site to track different things and what they found was if they gave people an easy way to manage that, which Google Tag Manager is, so it's basically, I would liken it to a box or a container where you can once you place it in that, in that environment, you can take things in and out of that box at any time you like and use that to your benefit so it's supposed to make it easy from a marketer's perspective to actually manage your tracking and manage it efficiently.
1: I might give a practical example just to kind of bring, if, if you've never heard of Google Tag Manager or don't know what it is, I'll give you a practical example. If you do know what it is, then this will all make sense to you anyway. But I'll give you a typical example. Oh, we've got to get the Google Analytics script onto our website. And in the past, you'd be like, oh, okay, so I'll talk to the web developers. Here's the script I get from Google Analytics. Someone's got to put that in the site somewhere. And then the next week they say, oh, we've actually got to get the Facebook tracking pixel on the site. Oh, okay. I better go back to the developers and get them to put it in. Oh, on and we've
0: also got to get that HubSpot tracking code. Oh, on the now we've got to get the
1: HubSpot. Oh, and then we want to do Hotjar. Oh, now we want to do the Twitter. Tra- oh, we've got LinkedIn insights like all of these yes. scripts which we call tags. We refer to them as tags. So the Google Analytics tag. tag. So getting that script. So what Google Tag Manager said is, look, well, how about we just go through that pain once? We'll create Google Tag Manager, which is a tag. It's like a script. Correct. We'll get the web developers to put that on the site once. And then from the Google Tag Manager interface, you can easily add all the others. So, oh, analytics, there's Facebook, there's LinkedIn, there's Twitter, there's Hotchart, there's all these other scripts instead of having to go back to your web developers each time, right? So that's Google Tag Manager. It makes management of that really easy. And like you said, it's like a box. You can actually, if you insert a new script, this was the other thing that used to happen. Someone put, oh, I can get the web developers to put a new script on the site, Okay, they've put it on. Oh, hang on. It's caused a problem on the site. Can you go back to the web developers and ask them to take it out? Google Tag Manager, all you do is reverse it. You you revert back to a previous version. So it makes it a lot safer, a lot easier. Marketers can do it. So that's Google Tag Manager. And later in the show, I've got a whole bunch of resources on setting it up and
0: tricks and tips. Now, why we're highlighting this is because you can use Google Tag Manager to manage these scripts within HubSpot, right? And there is also within HubSpot a place to put in your analytics tracking code or the number, but you, you don't have to do that necessarily through this. You could actually and use I would, Tag Manager yeah. to actually manage all of that.
1: I would suggest you don't put analytics right into HubSpot. You put it into Tag Manager and then put Tag Manager scripts into HubSpot. So then the question is, and we had this from a customer today, oh, how do I put Tag Manager into HubSpot? And so what I've got is a screenshot that just quickly shows you you go to settings go to the marketing settings then you go to web pages and then you scroll down i've actually got a screenshot of how to put in the google tag manager script uh you just need to choose uh, the domain it's on if you're running multiple domains on your portal that's the gotcha of the week you've got to choose the right one you put it in and it's simple put that in place you've got to do that once and then you can manage all your other scripts from google tag Tag Manager. manager
0: So Craig, like you were talking, the gotcha of the week is actually, and this is probably more an enterprise feature, where you can run multiple domains from your portal, is to make sure that that script is on all the domains that you want to track, Mm. so you can actually manage that within the tag manager.
1: Yeah, that's right. And sometimes, you know, because HubSpot has its own default, you know, HS dot whatever default portal before you've set up, that kind of is a domain there. So if you've only got one main site, you'd choose all domains and put your script there. But as you say, Enterprise, if you're running multiple sites, make sure you choose the site because each site probably has a different Google Tag Manager script. That That's right. On. So
0: so when we're talking about this, we should actually have, you can have a single Google Tag Manager account, but you could actually run separate Google containers, containers. <laughs> within that Tag Manager account for each site that you want to track.
1: Am I right? That's right. And you can actually sign permissions to users to each container. We're probably getting a bit more in detail, but yeah, it's actually really good for it's marketers. A, it's a
0: common question that would get asked. You know why it's also good run?
1: Yeah, and you know why it's also good for marketers if they do with Google Tag Manager? Yes. They can give access to an agency, external agency. They can say, yes. Oh okay, we'll give you access to our tag manager. We're not going to get that. Well, you could you, give them
0: access to the container.
1: That, that's right, the okay. container, and say, so, like you can just update things here. You can actually say you can update it, but you can't publish it. The marketing manager still has God mode to whether that goes onto the site. So it's a good way of controlling uh, some of those behind the scenes access things to the site. Correct. So look, just in our marketing tip of the week, we've got a bunch of resources around Google Tag Manager. So not uh, so much about HubSpot, but um, in general, the implementation, there's one from Moz and couple of examples about how to use it
0: so some of the things people will be actually using tag manager for firstly most people will likely use it for implementation of google analytics so that's the tracking of your site facebook pixel is another one that's commonly used and why this is good is actually implementing facebook pixel with tag manager is quite streamlined now that facebook can connect straight to the tag manager to do the implementation for you so we recommend you doing that Another thing is the LinkedIn pixel.
1: Yeah, well, actually, Tag Manager has native support for LinkedIn. Uh, As well. The Insights tag. So they actually, all I ask you for is not the full script, just give me your Insights tag number. Okay. And, and it can, takes care of it all. It's really yep. nice.
0: The other one might be the Twitter pixel. Correct, yeah. Hotjar, so if anybody's using Hotjar for heat mapping and so on. Now, the next one is a conversion linker. We've spoken about this on a previous episode, and this is, Another feature within Tag Manager to help you with your Google AdWords tracking for people that are actually blocking tracking going on.
1: Well, Safari natively was starting right. to block it. And so Google said, oh, no, you know, we, we see, we I, I see your blocking and I raise you my conversion linker to get it back in, basically.
0: And then we've got the link tracking and... Download tracking. So these are all different things that you can track. You can
1: basically set events via Google Tag Manager to track events uh, such as downloads on your site. It's really nice, yeah.
0: And you have one resource, Craig, from?
1: Oh, this is Simo Ahava. He's probably the guru of GTM, uh, Google Tag Manager, and GA, Google Analytics. So his blog, if you're a techie or kind of geeky, get stuck into that. If do you have any of those
0: people listening to the show? I
1: think we do. We get the occasional questions about it. <laughs> yeah, so for one or two of you that are geeky, that's a good, a good blog to follow.
0: All right. On our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And we're going to talk about the lead activity feed. Now, this is one of those often overlooked areas. And this is within contacts under activity feeds of HubSpot. When you open that, there are different things you can look in here. You can look at... Um, email opens or email activity but what i'm trying to highlight here is you can actually look at lead activity so if you're in sales and you're actually trying to figure out who these leads are and what they're doing it's a great place so people that are filled in forms like a contact has been assigned to you in the lead status so so what's important here and this is a common mistake that people might make if someone fills in a form and say they're downloading a brochure right not necessarily interested in that next step of being talked to or being a, technically a lead in the system, you should actually assign, make sure the status is correct. Otherwise, it'll appear in this list. The other interesting things that I saw when I was looking through this is that on the line where this activity is, when you click on there, you can actually call that lead. You can email that lead, create a task, create a note, send an email, and you can log some activity. So if you've done something, you can actually log it directly from that screen and get onto it.
1: This looks really good. It's interesting at the start of when you're introducing this, you said an often overlooked feature. I was like, yeah, I'd overlook this. I haven't seen this for ages. Uh, it's really good. It's come a long way. And look, just a little bit, a um, little surprise there. I'm not going to reveal it, but for anyone that goes and looks at the show notes, I like that top lead that you've assigned.
0: Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's a, a <laughs> screenshot from your,
1: <laughs> from your portal, uh, listeners. You can go and check that out.
0: I'm going to try and sign in some HubSpot. Yeah, there you go. All right, Craig, on to our opinion of the week. And this is a blog post by Seth Godin. What caught me, you know, I love everything automobiles, and it says, learning from the factory-dealer divide. And really, Seth talks about car factories being a bit of a miracle. That's how he starts it. And he says they're complex, expensive devices. Obviously, lots of processes that are perfectly in line to deliver a car and ones that work. And they've largely solved an engineering problem. And he said, on the other hand, dealerships are a disaster. So I'm guessing you had a bad experience <laughs> at a dealership. And he's written it and he said, no one likes them. They're often scammy, stressful, unpredictable. And he says, the difference comes down to management versus leadership. So for car factories, things are measured and managed. And he was talking about in dealerships, they try to manage and measure these outcomes, but really they forget at the core of it what's happening, right? So in a a factory, there are obviously people and there's a lot of robotics. There are cars coming out the other end. In a dealership, really the centricity of it is people. They're coming to buy the cars. And I think what he was trying to highlight there and what stood out to me, he was saying that leadership really matters and having the right people was really the key. And he highlighted that walking away from those that aren't on that journey was a good thing to do. And I went, hmm, what did that mean? <laughs> And then he talked about, you know, modeling the right behaviors, celebrating the right contributions, developing a culture, a language and a way of being on that path and being committed to that journey. And people will like it because you're doing this and you're constantly raising the standards and repeating the process. Now, when we, I had a discussion with you about this, you were confused. What was the idea of this?
1: Look, I think your explanation was better than the post. Look, I know who Seth is and I'm a big fan of Seth, so I'm not saying, but I had no idea what he was talking about. I read this post twice and I was totally confused. I've, and it, it needed you to explain it to me. I think you've done actually good job there. But I'd be interested in what other read, uh, our listeners go when they read that post. I'm just like, what? I I just did not know what he was on about. But I think your takeaways at the end were, were quite good. Excellent.
0: On to our podcast of the week, Greg. Right? Now, this is a podcast from uh, Jim Quick. ...called a Quick Brain. And so thank you to one of my friends, Kat Karoya, for introducing me to this. I listened to a few episodes, so I'd encourage you guys to listen to it. From what I gathered, listening to a few episodes of him, he had some sort of learning issues or issues with his brain, and so he's really gone on a mission to help people understand their brain and make themselves better at remembering and all sorts of things. So he does some episodes by himself. He interviews some other really brainy people... And it's really practical advice, so I would really recommend you to have a listen and tell us what you
1: this think. This one sounds really good, and, and thank you for this recommendation because it looked really good, so that's going straight on my list. You know what? I haven't been listening to many podcasts lately. Do you have, do you have like seasons where you yes, kind of go, I oh, I binge on podcasts and then I don't I, for a couple of weeks and I read a lot and then I go back? So I'm just coming off the dip of not having any podcasts for a couple of weeks and I'm coming back yes. in, so this is going to go straight on my queue.
0: Correct. So, I think definitely, but I think the key to what you're talking about is you are constantly learning, like you're reading or you're listening. So, you're constantly trying to move, move yourself forward. I think when you stop everything and don't do anything, that's when we should, some alarm bell should ring.
1: I think so. I, I think, well, I like learning, as I think most people do. I think what we're facing. And you know how you, you hear all these people say, oh, you know, robot, robots and AI is taking over. And you go, there's so much we've got to do. It's not, you can't be complacent anymore. And if you're a marketing manager, just, just sitting there, oh, here's what I do every day, the same old things I don't need to learn. It's surprising how quick that catches up with you. So this is not like a multi year horizon. Oh, I'm okay for the next one. This is like, oh, six months. I'm actually out of touch. What's happening with Facebook? Oh, LinkedIn's doing, I'm out of, oh, HubSpot's got a new whole piece to their offering, like I'm out of time, you've got to be learning. So it's not even just a, oh, cause I'd like to, it's like I must. And I think for our, our listeners, they'd be aware of that. And maybe podcast is one, I guess, channel that they do learn. Hopefully we're, <laughs> we're helping learn some parts, but yeah, podcasts like this or reading and keeping in touch is it's mandatory.
0: Now we have got resource of the week is to do with Google tag manager. And this is from Benjamin Mangold. Google actually uses Benjamin to do a lot of his... He's excellent. I've training with him. Google partner training. How good is he? And he's great. So he's got a great website and he's got some short courses, but the one I'm highlighting here is using Google Tag Manager can automate a whole range of tracking requirements on your website. So it's a great piece. And he's very practical about helping you implement all of those things. So thank you, Benjamin. And Craig, instead of one quote of the week... You've gone for quotes of the week.
1: Well, last week we had two, so we thought we'd better go one better.
0: We thought we'd go the extra, hey? All right, So the first one. The funnel is dead and long live the flywheel. And this is thank you to Dave Shepard.
1: Thanks, Dave. Or Shep. (laughs) Oh, Shep.
0: Were people calling him Shep? He was talking about shepherding people after. Oh, yes,
1: that was, yeah. Yeah, hashtag crushing it. But yeah, (laughs) thanks, Shep. I don't know. Are we close enough friends with Dave to say hi? Thanks, Shep. Go, chef. (laughs) All right. There we go.
0: All right. And the second quote for the week is, on average, eight out of 10 people will read your headline copy, but only two out of 10 would read the rest. And this is from Brian Clark.
1: Yeah, very well-known internet marketer, very smart marketer, and, and really one of the kind of early content marketers, yeah, to get things.
0: And Craig, I think this is the cracker of the night.
1: Oh, this is great. Avoiding stupidity is easier than seeking brilliance. So just think on that, right? Because we all want to seek brilliance. We always want to be the best. But sometimes just stop doing stupid things. And that's from Shane Parrish at Farnham Street Blog. Who, you know, we love the Farnham Street Blog. We do. That's actually, there you go. That's a blog. I think we've said this before. You you read that blog or listen to the the Farnham Street Podcast, you actually feel yourself getting smarter. Okay. It's that good.
0: Thank you for introducing me to that. And on that note, Craig, there are some bonus links of the week in the show notes. And if you have learned something in this episode, we'd love you to take a screenshot of whichever episode you've listened to and write and share it on social media. Tag us in so we can say thank you to you and leave us a review on iTunes because that would help us greatly.
1: Leave us a review and let us know what you learned. Did you learn something? Leave it in the review. We'd love to see that.
0: Excellent. Until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.